Welcome to another episode of the Blue Ribbon Podcast. I am the founder of Blue Ribbon, Michael Zarathus Cook. It's certainly uh, great to be back doing this. Uh, it's been a hot minute since the last episode with Amanda Smith. Uh, if you've not had a chance yet, uh, please do check that out. It was a great conversation, and the conversation you're about to listen to is, a, is kind of an extension of that conversation. Uh, for this episode, I'm talking to David James Brock. David is a libertist and a writer at large in Toronto. We talk about what is and isn't an opera and should you even have a designation for what an opera is. Certainly his latest project uh, in collaboration with the hard metal band Fucked Up uh, called Year of the Horse. It certainly pushes the boundary of what qualifies a work as operatic and how we go about expanding the category of what makes something operatic or not. It's a great conversation. David is very earnest and optimistic about uh, not only opera, but the performing arts in, at large in Toronto. He's just a solid guy to talk to. So this was a very, it was an uplifting conversation for me. I hope, you know, that's the same for you. Uh, so for the opera folks, I hope you share this. I hope you enjoy it. If you would like to see more things like this, please do donate on uh, Blue Ribbon. You can find that at B-R-I-B-A-N-D.com. So that's Bryband.com. Um, and I certainly look forward to more conversations like this. In the meantime, please enjoy. David, how uh, how's it going today? It's uh, it's great, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. You're one of those people that I've been sort of keeping up with over social media over the last couple of years, but we've never met in person, at least like officially. No, I I, I don't think so. I, I, as, as you kind of alluded to, I think we had to have been in the same room. Right. They're too nervous to say hello or, or just yeah. in the world. <laughs> the, the Toronto jitters. How's... Um, Absolutely. How's how's life been over the last uh, couple of months? I know that's a that's obviously a loaded question in these crazy times, but uh, it'd be nice to catch up on on how you've been doing uh, at least you know since I don't know March. I feel like it has been a bit more activity on your end with the new album. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is just sort of me sitting by and 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 the band and the producers handling that. So, I mean, to me, it's not, it's not a thing I'm actively doing. I, I sort of, I guess the most active I've been is sort of promoting this album on, mm -hmm. on any social media station or uh, channel. But um, yeah, since March, it's funny. I don't, I, you said, how have you been since March? And I had to quickly adjust my brain to remind myself it's June. Right? Know. So, yeah. It's crazy. eh? Yeah, so trying to think what I've done since March. Um, I mean, pretty, pretty, maybe like a lot of people, um, sort of trying to be active from your laptop. You know what I mean? Trying to set up this little glimmer of, okay, life is going to resume. So what am I going to be doing outside in that life? Um, so a lot of emails to people that I maybe haven't emailed in a year um you know talking about projects talking about okay what are we going to do i mean i'm primarily a lot of my works in theater and um opera so thinking about what that means for the live version i think like a lot of people i wasn't overly excited about a online world of this thing that i do that i like to that i like to do live right 
Right. So, um, so trying to imagine, trying just trying to be in touch with people who I miss working with, um, and having if it's an email or a Zoom call or a text or two, just sort of getting that machine back in order. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? Like, yeah. Um, hey, remember me? Remember us? Remember how we used to work together? Yeah, um, it's it's the awkward, uh, you know, <laughs> entry that we all have to make as as life starts back up here in uh, Toronto. Yeah, yeah, and and I've been fortunate that like a couple of things that I was working on before this all happened have come out during. So I mean, the 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 year of the horse album, um, a lot of that uh, I wrote the story with um, Mike Halichuk, who's in who's in fucked up. Um, we started writing that well before the pandemic, and we kind of finished it during the pandemic in parks. You know, so like we we would meet. We it's a screenplay. I, I guess I should step back a second. It was it's a screenplay that we've got some funding for through the Harold Greenberg Fund, mm-hmm. um, and that screenplay became the text for the opera um, right. that they've recorded and and mastered and produced over the last year. Um, right. so there's a lot of moving parts on that, but, but, um, sorry, I jumped ahead there, but that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's totally fine. As horses do, what are you going to do? Yeah, they do. They leap. I, I mean, our horse leaps very, very high <laughs> in, in this, uh, in this, in this story. So just before we get to, uh, the horse, I was in preparation for this. I was actually reminded of, uh, the first interview I did with you back in April of, uh, last year, uh, for the Ludwig van interview series that I started. That series was so cool at that time and still, and still kind of is, I feel like that's going to be this amazing archive that, that of how shitty everyone felt at one point. In the I pandemic. really think that future generations and, and even looking back on it as someone who participated in it, you go, wow, that's, that's what I thought. And, <laughs> you know, and, it's, and also it's, that's what I still think. Yeah, actually, speaking of that, there's a little excerpt from from that interview. It would be great to hear your thoughts and seeing sort of how that's evolved over the last year. Quote, I don't have any concerns about productivity, but I do have concerns about physical and mental stagnation. One of the things I've been doing uh, is keeping uh, doing to keep moving is to return to older work, unproduced work that clearly had my attention at some point. In one abandoned play, I'd written the lyrics for three songs, and now I'm messing around with adding the music myself. You go on to say, um, it just comes, it's just some basic guitar chords for now, but fumbling with some cre- something creatively new has allowed me to ignore any notions of excellence for the time being, end quote. Um, yeah. it, it is, you're, you're absolutely right. It is kind of crazy and bizarre to see how, I feel like the energy that we came into the pandemic with or that you know the pandemic arrived with was let's just hold the fort for a couple months. Yeah. Let's not get too ambitious. This will tie it over by September. <laughs> yeah. Be yeah. back to business as usual. Obviously, that's not the case. But sort of looking back yeah. over the last year, yeah. you know, how has your creative life been? How have you been keeping sane? Because your response to that uh uh, interview was one of my favorites in terms of just being real about, you know, this is not a, this is not all, you know, sunshine and roses and whatnot in, 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 you know, this is a tough time that you're going through So I live alone, you live alone. So we both know, uh, how, how tough that can be at times. So if you could speak on that a bit. Yeah. And, and when I did that interview, I recently started living alone. So even, you know, even some more emotional 
uh, fuel for the fire. But um, uh, yeah, I that I I kind of remember that. I mean, I do remember that answer, and I was going back to that old stuff because it was taking a little bit of the pressure off of um, writing about the moment. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like, and that doesn't mean that I, I don't think we should, but there was this real pressure to say anything new about um, anything, right? And so for me, for my own sort of internal process, it was very helpful to go back and, and sort of look at that stuff. And, and, and even me mentioning playing around the guitar, I'm a terrible guitar player. Mm. I have guitars and I, I just, I've had them since I was a kid and it just doesn't, it's just not happening. <laughs> like it's it's all, I mean and again I mean I, I'm not probably not putting in the honest effort required for any any excellence but um I I really did mean that where picking up an old play that I thought was okay pre pre-pandemic where you know there was no notion of anything like that and then trying to apply a sort of awkwardness to it um it felt somehow it felt soothing if that makes, if that makes sense. And it's still, by the way, it still kind of does, um, to, to do things, uh, create things in that sort of, um, almost childlike way where right. you're not, you're not worried about what opera Canada is going to write about it. And you're not worried about <laughs> what the Globe and Mail is going to say about it. Right. Um, because I think we do that anyway. We sort of get it. I mean, not, I say we, me, get into this idea where I'm already thinking about reaction and, and, and critical reaction um, before I've even gotten the idea out, which right. is, which is total poison for, um, for the stuff we do. Right. Um, and you can, you can kind of smell it when someone's done that when, and I've done it, geez, that you trying to um, trying to write stuff to get into a certain community, a certain theater, a certain, um, that is always the way to write your worst stuff. So I found it, and I felt that I felt that really quickly during the during the beginning of the pandemic, and I've I've tried to hold on to it um, uh, to try and create this thing where I'm not a producer. I don't have the I don't really have that power to to change uh, our delivery methods. Do you know what I mean by that? So so not writing towards that and just sort of staying. Um, I want to say true, and that sounds a little trite. But but sort of staying playful is maybe the word I'm looking for. Right, right. And you know, speaking of playful, I think um, you and fucked up the band has definitely pushed the the boundary on that. Uh, as a, a bit of a prep for yeah. Year of the Horse, it's the name of uh, a four part album uh, that again uh, a band. It's a hardcore band, hard metal. I never know which one is which. Yeah. Right, is it they've hardcore? Changed the, they've changed over the years. I think right. uh, I think their Wikipedia is Avant Avant Hardcore. Avant um, hardcore, right. Yeah, but but um and this is something that we Mike and I truly were calling Year of the Horse and Opera. Like even mm-hmm. to the point where where they just recently added it to Spotify and Mike was trying to get it into the opera category. Do you know what I mean? So that like when, yeah. you, when you when you look in if you type in opera or classical, because I think Spotify yeah. that, that album would come up. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, it's gonna be a tough sell, but I, think I know, I know. I told them that. I mean Spotify um 
uh, Spotify wasn't having any of it, but I think maybe there's some other people that won't have any of it. Well, they'll come around. Um, Well, you wrote the libretto for it, or at least the story for it. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Again, we, this started as we've been working on this pretty much, uh, I mean, they're a very prolific band and I'm, I'm not in the band. So I'm always sort of trying to keep one foot on the side of, um, you know, uh, not in the band and one side on, oh my God, year of the horse is our, vi- me and Mike's vision. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Right. Um, this is a really weird project in that they had a lot of the music written before we had even written any story, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in pieces. And, the, and it's mostly Mike Halichuk and Jonah Falco who were kind of, they had all the sort of, they write this, um, they have the Zodiac series. This is, I don't know, eighth or ninth or somewhere deep into the series. Um, and on this one, because we had worked together at Tapestry for um, for one of their Tapexes in 2015 or 14, um, yeah. Mike had come to me and said, uh, "We I, let's write this story together. Um, and they'd give me the, a lot of the music in advance. So I just listened to the music and I remember, I really remember listening to the music over and over and sort of typing the story as the music came. Right. As I was hearing the music. And it's a lot of Western, a lot of um, Morricone sounds and a lot of sort of spaghetti Western. And, you know, and then there's trumpets, this sort of King stuff. And, and yeah, Mike and I had talked about sort of adapting the, um, the myth of Percival, the, right. uh, the epic uh, Percival. So... I, I wrote out a first draft and then Mike and I would meet at the Dufferin Mall food court. Oh yeah. Go, it was like an office. Yeah. True creative work is done. <laughs> Real. And we would spend like hours there just going back and forth on the story mm-hmm. and truly writing it like a treatment, like, like a screenplay treatment. Um, and not really writing any of the script until we had a real um, sense of the story, which was a bit new for me. Like uh, generally I want to write and figure it out later and, and, Mike's got a real sort of amazing brain for this stuff of like, um, let's get it all down and then let's go to creating it, which is, which was a cool little new process for me. You want to talk about like new processes and sort of, um, you know, pushing, push, challenging the sort of, uh, the autopilot that I think sometimes I, that all of them, that me can get into as a, as a writer. Um, so we went back and forth on this story. We finally had it. And then we started writing the screenplay, mm. uh, about this time. Mike had, um, uh, there was a, a producer, um, who really liked the band fucked up and, and was starting to talk to Mike about this and gave, and we applied for some screen, some funding, <coughs> as I mentioned, <coughs> pardon me, through the uh, Harold Greenberg fund and we, and we got it. And so we, we had a little bit of money to, to write a first, like a real proper first draft of the script and turned into this 110 page sort of, you know, <coughs> epic. Then, sorry, to make a long story short, then we took the screenplay and, and Mike applied the lyrics from the screenplay to, to the music. So it's kind of like all these moving parts and, and maybe a longer answer than you, than you required here. But um, Well, no, it's, it's a tremendously dense work. Yeah. Um, and I think the complexity of trying to wrap my head around <clears throat> how to describe it is actually a, a compliment. And I'll get to that uh, in a bit. One of the other unique things about uh, this album is how you guys have sort of released it and presented it mm-hmm. in four acts, which sounds very uh, operatic, at least in a, you know, a classical yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, but now it is available as an LP. Is that correct? 
Yeah, the um, the 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 vinyl and the CD is coming out with Tank Crimes. I think you can definitely pre-order it, but and it'll be all uh, out in about August. Mm. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, they the the band uh, decided to do this sort of four-part release schedule, which I thought was kind of neat. It's sort of it all feels very pandemic-inspired, right? Right. This thing to look forward to. I mean, I think probably we all have these little activities that we're putting on the calendar for Saturday on a Monday to look forward to. And I, I thought that was like pretty, pretty brilliant of them. Yeah. That, so that's available. Um, it's um, yeah. On four records, I, I have a test pressing. It's, it's kind of, it's really thrilling to like see this on a, there's something about that sort of material item of a, of a record that, that kind of, I'm not, I'm obviously not used to it and uh, it feels fairly, it, I do feel kind of thrilling to, to see it in that form. Um, and they, they, it is on, I mean, it's on Spotify too right now, which is, you know, sort of, I think a, a bit of a necessary evil for the band. Um, it is, but this is ultimately an album. I feel that is best for sitting down and putting it uh, on a record player and sort of sitting in the room for, you know, the entire 90 minutes of it, because it's, you know, if you're on your computer, obviously the, uh, the temptation to multitask is yeah. inevitable. Yeah, uh, but this is it, it's it's a very complete work that um, you can get immersed in. And before I start sort of throwing out my opinions and takes, I, I like to read comments on YouTube, etc., just to get what the you know the vox populi, as they say. <laughs> um, and on the Bandcamp, where is another place uh, that you can find this uh, album? I, I read through a couple of the comments, and obviously they were very favorable. One of them. Uh, uh, which I'll read by, interestingly, the, the commenter's name is Vast Deference, which made me chuckle because that's obviously a, a play on, um, how do I say, uh, a rather uh, crucial part of the male anatomy. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, it, it gets the job done. All right. I so love this, term, I love the term crucial there, Michael. It's such a, what such was that? A, such a beautiful adjective, crucial. Yeah, it is very crucial. Yeah, it's the it's the bridge. Yeah. Anyways, um, so here's what Vast Difference had to say about Year of the Horse. Quote, through each of these four 20-minute long tracks, flutters between Damien's raging uh, since David comes to life. Damien is the vocalist for yeah. uh, Fucked Up. Um, between Damien's best raging since David comes to life, which is a previous album, and immersive synth-led passages of female vocals. And there's an opera here somewhere. The real strength of the whole album lies in its in its accessibility, in its accessible set of lyrical hardcore gems, more consistent and fun than any other recent fucked up work. Favorite track: Year of the Horse, Act Two. Mm. Close quote. It's kind of hard to pick a favorite track out of this because <laughs> there are like seven tracks in each one of these uh, uh, of these acts. Um, what I was going to ask is, you know, how did this project come together i think you've gotten um into that a bit yeah. but what i want to know now is what what's the pull um for whose idea was this and what was it about percival the story in particular that struck a chord with you mm -hmm. at the beginning of this project and obviously inspired you to see it through yeah full full fully mike's idea i mean because their zodiac series is you know an animal everyone's an animal. So the year of the snake, year of the dragon. Um, I think year of the monkey is next for them. 
um, this was just time for Year of the Horse. Uh, Mike's into very much into that sort of like classical literature and and um, and epics and, and you know and also um, comic books. So um, he's taught me actually quite a bit more about comics than than I'm, I naturally might have known um, going in. So when he re- originally, it was kind of like here's here's what we're doing. We're doing Year of the Horse. Um, I like the story of Percival. I like, he said, I like the, the, the Wagner Percival, Percival. Um, we're going to adapt it in, in some way. And so naturally right away, I'm more into Westerns than Mike, Mike is. I said, well, I mean, naturally this is a Western, right? And he goes, right. maybe. And from there, I mean, you know, Dufferin Mall over, a you know, Beyond Burger at A&W or whatever, we sort of, um, <clears throat> just start going back and forth on, on, on this idea between, you know, the Western and, um, and, you know, the, the, the myth of Percival. I mean, a lot of the names, if you, if you've had a chance to look at the libretto that the booklet for the album is very much arranged like, um, like an opera libretto in a, you know, the, like in a, in a opera box, right. The sort of right. six, the six record opera box, um, you know, aesthetically and, also, all the parts are are written. They're they're not written like lyrics. They're written like a libretto. The cast, the person singing it is right. is, over the, is over the lyric. So we yeah. just started, again. It was sort of a bit of a back and forth about things we liked and our influences, and also you know there's like a bit of um you know the worry that this librettist is going to come in and ruin a band that has fans. Mm-hmm. So so um, you know Mike and I were very much collaborating, but at at, at the end of it, it's still got to be a fucked up project um, right. um that i sort of um uh adapt to if that if that makes yeah. sense um, yeah and mike halichuk he's he's quite the um quite the musician yeah uh, and quite the artist like, watching them in the studio yeah was, uh, unbelievable um like, this guy plays drums he's he plays cello on this he's also the guitarist at some point like that's yeah. that's uh that's quite intense. The, the breadth of his uh, talent. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're true artists. And I think that's what really appeals to me about, about working with them. I mean, they're, they're um, you know, I mean, the very easy label is they're a punk band, right? Like, right. They're just not. A punk. <laughs> like, yeah. It's hard to, even with this, just one out, al- it's hard to describe this album. That's why I was sort of making reference to the comments earlier. Cause I think that particular comment got it right. It's yeah. incredible. I've had it in the background a couple of days now, and and it's incredibly dense. It's a complete work that heads in so many different uh, directions. You know, you've got two very different vocalists, uh, intensely bombastic drums next to you know some very lyrically expressive sections on cello, mm-hmm. and it, it, it it's hard to describe what the band is. They kind of actually reminds me a bit of Mars Volta. I'm sure that's a a, a, a yeah. similarity that a lot of people point at. And yeah. this particular album gives me the same feeling that Deloused in in the Comatorium, which is probably the most famous yeah. Mars Volta album ever. Yeah, I know. Because, it. Yeah, it, not only like the drums, the the instrumentation similar uh, to Deloused, but also just the you feel like you're entering a very sort of finished universe, like a specific um, world. That yeah. isn't just you know a bunch of different songs slapped together to, to to make an album, 
but it's a setting that an album is uh is 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 telling and that i mean and i that's the type of work i always wanted to be a part of right and that's and i'm feeling um i think it's okay to be proud of the stuff we do once in a while and i'm like i'm completely proud of my part in in the universe that that they managed to create on this album um because it you know i mean it uh, what you're saying here is is the dream for every project i work with work on and some you know that that you are creating this sort of um dense but complete universe right right um so i i love what you're saying there and i actually love that the the vast deference i hadn't heard that or seen that i think that's to me that's great i mean that's that's been my ambition since opera let me in the door you know 10 years ago or, or whatever so um i think that's really cool and I think there's a, a rich history of bands in Toronto that are able to mesh sort of the classical arts, opera specifically, mm-hmm. with either hardcore or sort of punk or even hard rock in, in genres that aren't typically associated with opera. You know, the foremost that comes to mind for me is Bruce Peninsula, which is another Toronto band. They have this album called uh, A Mountain is a Mouth. And the way that that meshes opera and just uh, uh, sort of freak folk and it's even, it's hard to describe them. And I, that's for me, the ultimate compliment. When you listen to something and you're like, I see so many different things in this. Yeah. Here's a, here's another sort of review of the album by Zoo Mountain. Not a, not as exciting a, a username, but we'll take it. <laughs> Quote, this album shreds, rips, whips, fucks me right up. The beating rhythm that carries from act to act never gets old, and the cascading changes from heavy riffs to heavier riffs is everything I want. I mean, it doesn't get uh, it doesn't get better than that in terms of feedback. Now, that's really that's really cool too, because I mean, when we're we're this starts as a screenplay, and that's really what you need in a screenplay, right? You need like you can't have these inert scenes that that don't push forward. Right. Um, and, and so, and we literally have a horse in the movie. So there's this sort of galloping and this, this, this like sort of horse energy that, that is in every scene. Um, and obviously you can hear it in the music. So I, I, again, quotes like that just kind of make me, they're exciting. It's Mm -hmm. nice to hear that. It's nice to hear all those adjectives that you, that you hope are applying to some of your stories. Right. Is there ever sort, is there a plan to, eventually film this yeah so uh, uh, this is like people keep going oh this will make a wicked movie and it's like and i think i've seen mike on the on the fucked up twitter going it is a movie like we so like anything we've got we've got our screenplay we're in our third draft um we just need someone to make it so we've got a we're we're on a 18 month option with with one film company right now which really just means they have 18 months to go figure out who's going to make it, right? <laughs> right? Um, you know, and that means uh, attaching directors and, and all that stuff. So we're in that sort of weird phase where there's only so much that, you know, a co-written screenwriters can really do other than talk about it in, you know, in all the time um, and in hopes that the right, it finds the right director and the right co-production companies and, and, all, and all that sort of stuff. So um, there is a plan that you know um that but we're also at 
you know, everything in, in, in some of the, in performative arts and performing arts is, um, is so reliant on, you know, 25 other people saying yes. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So 20 of which are in suits. <laughs> yeah. I think eventually they'll be in suits. Yeah. Uh, we've been pretty lucky with, with the couple of producers that have been uh, backing this so far in that they're doing the paperwork that Mike and I don't know how to do. Right. Um, but, you know, at the same time, they also have the connections that, that we don't have. And, and my hope is that, and I think, I, I think Mike's probably too, that the album and any sort of praise the album gets, I think it's gotten a few nice reviews, that that only sort of entices uh, potential, potential directors or production companies to go, oh, there's already an audience for this. Like, right. you know, so that, so yeah, when I say there's a plan, absolutely. Um, but, you know, a lot of, <laughs> it's like saying, I have a plan to win a million dollars. Like, okay, good plan. What are you, what, what you going to do about it? And you're not relying on the lottery ticket. So. Right. Well, this is certainly the golden age for filming new opera. Obviously, the you know the example that comes to my mind is uh, is Amanda's uh, from Fawn Chamber Opera, Amanda Smith's uh, recent recording of Seven Deadly Sins with yeah. uh, the Glenn Gould School. That that was the topic of the last uh, podcast I did, yeah. and then more recently, uh, Against the Grain, uh, re- just announced the. Uh, their production of Savitri, which is the Gustav Holst uh, uh, production. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of Amanda and that particular conversation, uh, one of the things that she ended the the podcast with was saying something that I think is incredibly true, which is, you know, let's stop saying that quote that's not opera. Mm. And I, you know, going back to earlier, you were talking about. I think Mike's desire to get this filed under the opera cabinet on Spotify and me saying that that's going to be tough. I think when when you listen to this, there's going to be a strong impulse from the opera going crowd to say that quote, that's not opera. Sure. Um, But on the other side of that, I think that the vibe that, you know, let's stop saying what opera is and isn't that's, that's the, that's a vibe that the indie opera companies uh, uh, in, in Toronto and beyond are embracing. Yeah. Um, what's your take, first of all, on what makes this an opera, what makes it operatic and how loosely you're using that term and how loosely you think people in the industry should be using, because it's a fairly, it just means the work. It's a fairly vague designation, whereas, you know, hardcore or hard metal, that's pretty specific. Yeah. So what's your take on both like the, the use of that and also the future of opera, you know, in our country in terms of interacting with other genres? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I'll, I'll solve that right now. No, I, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, I run into this all the time because my work in opera has been largely what you would call like experiments. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I worked with Amanda on Pandora and, you know, to hear that some people thought it wasn't opera. I'm like, well, well then what is? And what is right. I, yeah. And I think well, there's, this... it, it was nominated for the, uh, the Dora awards. So <laughs> yeah, I, I know. feel like, yeah. So it, it's in, but I, I feel like that was more of a, some, you know, there maybe a, a, well, okay. It has music and singing it. Okay, fine. They, <clears throat> they did, they did opera. Um, I, I suppose because I didn't, grow up with opera like I I I find my my attraction to opera is very much my attraction to a lot of the other things I I'm really into like 
like heavy metal and progressive rock and professional wrestling and just big sort of big things. You know, I like, I like the bigness of opera. Um, And even with working with indie companies where there's budget and there's other, other considerations, I'm still wanting that work to be big. Right. If that, and I use big as a very, it's a very subjective use of the term, but, um, uh, but I, at least I'm not, not shy, not shy is more what I'm, and, what and I'm not doing. understated. Yeah. Because there's other places for understated, understated. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's other, there's other forms, um, right. for, for that. And the minute you put a, a, a cello and some violins and, uh, you know, a, a synthesizer and <laughs> there's a reason for that. Um, it's, it's to elevate it. It's to grow it. It's, yeah. uh, so again, this idea of what I, I love that let's not let's um, not say what isn't opera, but also you're right. Let's not say what is opera. So to self apply the term opera to Year of the Horse, but it it is. There's a <clears throat> as I said, there's a libretto. I'm looking at the um, the booklet for the record right now. You know, it's 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 we've got our cast of characters. <clears throat> excuse me, up front we've got Act One, Scene One. The first line, Pegasus running alone, trapped in this world, not your own, not your own home. Like mm-hmm. that's a libretto. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so but, and, and you're right. Like I'm creating, I'm, I'm contradicting myself here. Let's not say what is an opera when I say this is an opera, um, but it's written with the scenes in mind. So I'm going to, I guess the closest thing, and this is what other people might call this is a concept album. Um, right. But that's basically saying nothing. Like, what does that even totally? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I find I love, listen, I love concept albums. A, a lot of my records are, are prog rock and I, I you know, I, I, I love, I love a concept album, but a concept album asks the audience to do a lot of the work, a lot right. of the, a lot of the, do you get it? Do you, yeah. do you, <laughs> do you get it? Which who has time for that? That's right. I mean, and there are people, one thing I'm learning about fucked up fans is they, are reading it um there was a, a, a someone asked a question i think it was on instagram and one of our characters in the who has a big part in the screenplay is is named in the libretto but doesn't doesn't do anything and one of their fans asked about this character um you mentioned them in the libretto but they're not they don't actually do anything on the album mm. and it's like so i'm learning that there are people who and it's amazing there are people that will that we'll look at it. Um, I guess I'm not answering that part of your question though, with the, um, well, what is in opera? For example, someone might say there isn't really any sort of virtuosic singing that we would, um, that we would classify as, as opera. Right. Uh, at least when, uh, Damien or, or, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the female Sandy. No, not Sandy. Uh, the female singer, you know, you wouldn't describe her voice exactly as, as uh, a soprano or anything of that sort. Right. So it starts to be technically. I mean, there's, there's a number of singers. I'm, you might be thinking of Julian, um, um, but there's, there's, a, there's five or six other voices on, on, the, on the album. I think I'm yeah. thinking of uh, Megan. Megan Brooks, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. 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 so, well, she's, uh, she's one of the... Uh, the, the female voices that I that I noticed particularly in, in Act Four, yeah, 
Um, so what's your sort of response to that in terms of, well, if it's going to be called an opera, blah, 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 yeah. uh, there needs to be operatic singing, blah, 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 soprano, uh, um, tenor, the list I, goes on. Yeah, it's funny because I think, I mean, <clears throat> opera is constantly doing this thing going, how come no one's going to, op- how come opera isn't the most relevant thing in the world? Right. And and then there'll be companies or there'll be projects. I'm not saying Year of the Horse is the only. There'll be projects that show another way. Right. And then people go, well, that's not opera. And it's like, but then there's also, so I I really, I think I was having a conversation with someone recently, like yesterday, where there's this idea between innovation and invention. And um, I think there are a lot of people that do the classic, these classic operas and these canonical works, and they innovate meaning they modernize or they... Yeah, well, Savitri is an example of that with totally. the ATG. Totally. Yeah. And, and innovation is good, but it's it's just sort of taking the familiar and, and twisting a little bit, right? And then there's this idea of invention. And to me, it's, it's, it, it's saying, all right, here's, here's another option. And you might mm. not think it's opera. You, like you might not, I'm not talking about you, but some sort of someone who grew up loving... Puccini and Verdi and, you know, Mozart, and that's their version of opera. Um, they might reject it because it doesn't fit into to their, their, their thing. But what you're doing and what I hope I'm doing, I hope my time working in, in any creative field is more on that invention side. Right. And it's like, here's an invention. Not all inventions, you know, <laughs> they don't all work. Right. Um, you know, but maybe this one works or maybe this one adds to a slight redefinition of what this thing can be. Otherwise it dies. And I think that's, I think that's what maybe people are talking about when they say, how come opera is not relevant? And, or, you know, I say people, I'm really straw manning here, but you know, every couple of years where, where people go, some art form is dead. Opera's dead. Poetry's dead. Right. Um, the novel is dead. And I think it's because innovation might still be happening, but happening, but invention doesn't. And so I'm kind of interested in, in both as an audience member and as someone who's allowed to be a part of these creative inventions. Like, I think that's where my, my take would go on, on what is and what isn't, you know, I, I guess I'm not concerned what is and what isn't opera. I think you can offer your invention and then someone can reject it. And that's okay too. Like right. I, I'm very open, to, very open to that, um, to, to those sorts of, you know, pushbacks, if, if anything, if, but I don't also don't see them as too vitriolic, if that, if that makes sense. Right. I, that makes a lot of sense. And I really like that distinction between uh, just because innovation is happening does not mean that invention uh, is happening. And I feel like that's, it's the latter that, as you rightly say, it's the latter that pushes an art form and makes it consistently relevant. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's all required, Michael. Like, I mean, even, yeah. even the sort of, um, the nostalgia and the, and the trophy case pieces, those are required too. I mean, right. see, seeing an opera done in 2021, the way it was done in, in 1850, there's room for that too. I, I, yeah. I think I, as someone who's very nostalgic, I, I would love to see that too. Um, so I, I'm not saying that, that everything has to be so innovative or so inventive and so innovative. I think there's, I love the, I love that there's enough room on the shelf for all of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really cool project. And I think that's one of the things that 
caught my eye that, you know, you can't help but look for formulas when you see something released and published. But at first glance and at second glance, I don't see like a, a, a particular formula, except for the fact that uh, Fucked Up does have an ongoing series, uh, a Zodiac series, but everything else, it looks as if um, through uh, apparently uh, conversations in Dufferin Mall, uh, it looks like it grew organically. And, yeah. you know, if the whole point of uh, opera specifically or a classical uh, realm of things and performing arts, et cetera, if the whole point of it is to get the audience and the listener and the viewer to lean in and take, um, I don't know, to slice several layers into the work, the fact that you're getting emails or that Michael is getting emails about one particular character that's mentioned but doesn't really do anything, that shows that people are listening to this at a close level. And I think that's that's the measure of success. Labels uh, be damned for the most part. Yeah. And story, I mean, again, there's the word story. I, I love that that on the opening of the booklet it says story by Mike Halichuk and Dave Brock. Like I it's a it's a it's a story. And I, right. and I know that opera is 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 a lot more than story, but my contribution to it is going to be stories. Because I'm not writing the music. I'm not performing it. I'm not designing. Um, so I take a lot. I, I'm I'm very grateful that 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 um, people have been pointing out. Oh, I get the story. Cool, cool story. I mean, sometimes that's sometimes that's what we want to do when we go into an opera, right? Is at least me mm -hmm. see a story and kind of understand what's going on. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, being critical of, oh, that tenor missed that. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, that, I find that that's such a, a thing that, that it's not exclusive to opera, but I mean, I was in it. It's certainly pronounced in, in the classical arts. Absolutely. I went to an yeah. opera last before pandemic and at the end of it, people were booing. Like who has time for that? I, I was like, what? <laughs> I was right in front of someone booing and I'm like, why? There's people up there. Who right. didn't write it? Who are singing their asses yeah. off? Yeah, and, and you've decided to boo. Like you'd see that in no other genre, by the way. Like I no can't. one's paying money to go and boo at the end of something. You'd see it at a football game. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, but you'll see everything at a football game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Like there is a sort of toxic element there where hmm. you're treating it. You know, you bring up football, but when you're booing someone because they didn't hit a note or they didn't hit it in the exact same way that, you know, it was sung 30 years ago when you saw it for the first time. Absolutely. There is a sort of like athletic element there that's missing, as you say, the bigger story, the ethos of the story, the, the spirit right. of the experience. So when you're just sort of um, atomizing the experience and saying that in, in act two, scene, blah, mm -hmm. and this line was in landed, um, that's certainly how you eventually get left behind because... Um, you know, what, what captures the masses is, is certainly, um, a story in, that connects and also a tune that you can take home with you. Um, that, that should never go out of fashion. All right. I'm going to ask my, my sort of last question is a bit of an unfair one, but what's the, the, the remaining stretch of 2021? What, what are you looking forward to? What does it have in store? What would you like to not happen? I don't, I mean, geez, I ask, saying what I don't want to happen is almost like tempting the gods. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, um, yeah, again, I, I found, um, and I, this goes back to your, your, your remote column. I found a real, uh, piece in reading other people's process. Um, you know, um, so I haven't stopped again. I have a, a bit of privilege in that I've been able to work contracts from home and, um, and there's a, there's been a heck of a lot of writing time for me. So I haven't stopped writing and probably have written more and people probably hate hearing this probably have never written more in my life than the last year. Right. Um, and, and that includes the screenplay for year of the horse, um, another screenplay, which actually, so to answer your question, what I'm looking forward to, um, I've written another screenplay during the pandemic, which this almost never happens very quickly is going to film in November, mm. uh, with, um, with uh, a, a production company who's filmed two movies during the pandemic. Um, and, and this will be their third. I, I, again, no one knows what November is going to look like. So I guess I'm looking forward to that mm-hmm. um, being, being made. That's, that's with, um, uh, through a company, uh, a streaming service called Highball TV. Um, and so that's really cool. And that has music in it and not opera, but, sort of more, um, a bit more, um, you know, sort of lounge seventies, uh, seventies television inspired. Um, so I guess that's the big thing I'm looking forward to. And it's been really cool to work with another composer completely through, um, through zoom on, on some of the lyrics that, that are in a part of that screenplay and that's a feature and that's, that's really cool. So, um, yeah, again, um, that, that's the one thing I'm really looking forward to in, in addition to just like, going out and seeing other other people's stuff you know? right like i don't know about you I, I i've not been watching a heck of a lot on on i did see amanda's opera um i thought that was beautifully done right really attention to the the fact that it was being filmed right and and not just a camera pointed at a thing that otherwise would be on stage right um, i think that's amanda's strength i mean among other things just knowing knowing where it's going to be and letting that be part of the story um but yeah, seeing other people's stuff, going out and, um, you know, maybe seeing a singer in person sing without, <laughs> without, filter, without the filtered through my MacBook Air, you know, right, right. where you're not quite getting all the levels and the textures and the, and the flavors of, of what that singer wants to, to give. So, I mean, I'm sure that's probably your, I mean, that I'm imagining that's, most of our answers. Right, uh, right. All right, I'll I'll end with sort of uh, the same thing I asked you a year ago. Any words of wisdom for the folks, the artists who perhaps have not been as fortunate in terms of continued work throughout the pandemic? Yeah. What's your What's your message to you know the folks who are out there struggling to yeah. rev the engine, especially the opera singers and especially the just the opera creatives who are struggling to rev the engine to get back? Because it's kind of a weird period where, yeah, yeah the world is, op- well, the rest of the world kind of is already open, but in Canada, yeah, things are opening up again, but it still feels like August and September is when you can be like, yeah, I'm on my way to a show again. That's you right. Know? but hopefully that's not the truth. All right. What's your, what's your message to them? Again, it's not so much wisdom. I, I, I think it's more like, and, and, and I don't know, I'm not overly hopeful person, but this does sound, nice. like, this is rather going to sound hopeful. It's like, right. it's kind of there waiting for when you're ready. Sweet. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love this idea that like, 
we cannot do the thing we're doing for a year and but it's there and and when your tank is full um it's there waiting for you it's not it's not gone you didn't lose it do you know what i mean so even if i didn't write this whole year and certainly i've friends of mine who are writers i haven't written any they say i haven't written anything for a year and then we go well it's it's there it's there waiting um when you're when you're kind of it, it, it's not, it didn't, it didn't escape you. If that's what I mean, if, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, Don't go I, into real estate, please that, <laughs> <laughs> stick with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people sort of, um, and look, we all, we have our friends and we, our community that, that, that um, they're the, our worthiness has, is, is under attack here. Right. Um, like my worth was this and I haven't been able to do that. Hmm. And I, and I'm like, I, I listen to that, particularly actor friends, right? And we just sort of, we have therapy sessions. <laughs> we just talk like, hey, look, it's going to be there. And and there's no sort of putting lipstick on, on, the, on the pig here. It, you're, you, it's not like you're, you don't have to learn something from this year, year and a half, hmm. right? But you, you kind of got to go back to it when you're ready to go back to it. Right. It's as far away or as close as it always was, and I, I, I believe I, I do believe that. Even though that sounds a little, a little uh, optimistic for you know the, the for me who, you know, yeah. who who can really find a, a negative lining in any silver cloud, <laughs> right? Or yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, I could just hear like the absolute pain in your voice as you're trying to say something positive. We're, <laughs> we're in the well, same boat. I've learned that a lot. I've learned, you know, I've worked on, on, uh, was working on an opera with Gareth Williams, uh, a few, uh, like many years ago, and right. we wanted to end it really darkly. Nice. And the producer said, how about you guys try a happy ending? Both and, of, we looked at each other as though they're like, fuck this guy. Yeah. As though they had just asked us to eat a, you know, a bull testicle or something. <laughs> like, yeah. like what? what, what do you mean? And we did it. And oh my goodness, he was right. <laughs> he was totally right. Uh, that we should have ended it on a happy note. And we did. And people left smiling instead of, you know, wondering what the point of it all was. So right. um, I think it's, I think it's probably, I, I, I think it's a good skill to, for anyone who can, <laughs> at least have it as an option it's a good tool for the toolkit isn't it like a right. a, a, a little bit of optimism yeah. right all right i'll read two more uh comments from from the band camp comment section which should totally be more of a thing you should yeah. like print these on the on the album cover i don't know if it's i'm thinking of tattoos i mean yes yes all on my back quotes positive <laughs> quotes about me because they don't come often so. yeah well we know where the vast deference uh comment would be going <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right that'd be amazing uh from someone named dlr they said there are many albums to die for but so few to die to i guess they're referencing uh how they felt positively about um year of the horse and then thumb supposed i don't know what that means said i like the part about the horse <laughs> doesn't get better than that all right david it's That's been a pleasure congrats on this album congrats on just getting it done and you're you know a couple of months from now you'll have like a physical maybe less than a couple of months but a physical copy of that in your hands and there's something special about that oh thrilling totally thr there's no way to be cool about it when you didn't grow up 
you know, making records. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I took a peek at your, uh, uh, in the, in the selfie you took for the Ludwig van, um, interview last year in the background of it, I saw you had a healthy collection of records. So yeah. Yeah. I I can tell that you're, you're definitely gonna, it's going to be a whole vibe when you, when you get a record with your name on it. Totally. And, and, and Michael, thank you, man. Like you, the, the, you're, I think I've said this to you before, but like you're, when I talk about invention and innovation, like, and, and keeping things alive, like you're the energy you put into this stuff is, is a gift like for for people who want it to matter do you, do you know what i mean by that so like i'm right. i'm really grateful for even just talking to you whether this is recorded or not um it's, it's definitely recorded yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean you, the writing you do and the way you're approaching this um i again i i think to go back i know we're ending here but like um i kind of want all this to matter do you know what i mean and um it's nice to see someone who writes about it as though it does, um, which is, which is really cool. So I'm, I'm really grateful for this and uh, I'm a fan. So if that, if, if, you know, that, that's your, that's your uh, band camp comment for me. Uh, that's look, I really, really appreciate you saying that. Uh, I put a lot of work into this, a lot of sort of, um, I don't know, unreflected uh, effort yeah. uh, uh, at least in the past though, that's changed a bit over the last little while. But yes, it does matter. Um, and, and that's sort of um, that, that's sort of my message as well, that this is not uh, an art form that should be left in the past, that no. it's an art form that, if anything, is more relevant now than ever. Uh, just because we, you know, with TV and mass media, we do have an appetite for largesse when it comes to the arts right yeah. you were talking about you like opera because it's big and i think part of that is is you know we, we the volume and impact that opera can make is perfectly suited for our sensibilities which sounds like a you know a crazy thing to say mm-hmm. but i think a degree of that is true and not only does it matter but what i try to do in all the various things that i've been doing is showing who it can also matter to, right? The fact that opera matters is nothing new to say, but the fact that it matters to a younger generation, a more diverse generation, you grew up perhaps without opera. I certainly grew up uh, without uh, opera as well. I came to it uh, almost as an adult. I I love that. It's very, it's very inspiring. Sweet, sweet. Well, look, there's a beer in our future once it's legal to do so. Can't wait. Uh, But thanks for doing this again, man. Hey, thank you. And, uh, and I appreciate, I appreciate the time.